You're listening to the Talking Rheumatology Research Podcast, brought to you by the British Society for Rheumatology. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Pooja Mehta, and I'm a rheumatology registrar currently undertaking a PhD at UCL Respiratory in Interstitial Lung Disease. Today, it's an absolute pleasure to be joined by Professor David Fagenbaum, who's an assistant professor of medicine and translational medicine and human genetics at the University of Pennsylvania, as well as being the founding director of the Center for Cytokine Storm Treatment and Laboratory. He's also an associate director and patient impact of the Orphan Disease Center of the University of Pennsylvania. And we're going to be discussing his paper, which was published in the New England Journal in December 2020, entitled Cytokine Storm Syndrome. Professor Fagenbaum, thank you so much for joining us. Pooja, thank you so much for having me. It's really, really an honor to be with you and excited to chat about cytokine storms. I am super excited to chat about cytokine storms. Could you tell us, in terms of the outline of the paper, what you cover? Sure. So we start out by first just trying to characterize the history of cytokine storms when they first were appreciated and uh, a bit about cytokine storms over the course of various pandemics and, and therapeutics. Um, and then we get into really the, the, the most important aspect of this paper, and that is around what constitutes a cytokine storm? And, you know, many of us in medicine and rheumatology, infectious disease oncology, we talk about cytokine storms a lot, but we don't have a definition. So if, if you want to say something is or isn't a cytokine storm, you have to have a working definition. And so we go through the existing definitions and highlight some of the limitations and then come up with a unifying definition for what is a cytokine storm. And, and I, I think that it can be improved and hopefully um, we'll continue to iterate, but it's a starting point for this unifying definition of what is a cytokine storm. Absolutely. I mean, I think COVID-19 has really brought this to the fore. And the definition of cytokine storm syndrome is so important because there's been so much discussion about whether COVID-19 is a cytokine storm syndrome and therefore what exactly is a cytokine storm syndrome. What are your thoughts about COVID-19 and hyperinflammation and cytokine storm and so on? Sure. So I'll go to the definition first, and then we can debate whether we think COVID should fall into this um, definition or not. So so in order to call something a cytokine storm, Carl June, my co-author and I, based on uh, going through the literature and, and our work in cytokine storms specifically, feel that a cytokine storm requires elevated uh, systemic levels of cytokines, which which makes sense. Um, we don't specify which cytokines or how elevated they need to be, but you need to have elevated circulating cytokine levels. Secondly, you need to have acute inflammation that would be consistent with a excessive inflammation. And third, you need organ dysfunction that is out of proportion to whatever your normal immune response should be. So if there is a pathogen, say SARS-CoV-2, and you have excessive inflammation that leads to kidney failure or, or liver failure beyond what would be necessary to control the virus, that's a cytokine storm. Or if you have a disease like idiopathic multicenter Castleman disease where there is no pathogen, then any organ dysfunction at all constitutes organ dysfunction that's beyond what's necessary because there is no pathogen to fight. And so when we think about COVID, COVID's a little tricky because you can think about mild individuals that are infected with SARS-CoV-2 and they have limited symptoms. They certainly don't have a cytokine storm. The, the virus is well controlled. They might feel a little unwell. But that's all in the effort to control the virus. But when you hear about these patients in the intensive care unit with multi-organ failure, those are the patients where we consider to have a cytokine storm. And you might say, well, how do you know that that's beyond what was necessary to fight off the virus? Well, there, there's two sets of evidence that, that lead us towards us. The first is that if you use immunosuppressants in hospitalized patients, we learned from, from colleagues in, in the UK that dexamethasone and also tocilizumab is effective at improving outcomes. And so that's one way to say, okay, well, if 
suppressing the immune response improves outcomes, then that means there was too strong of an immune response. Um, that's one. And then secondly, there's been some really elegant data recently around what differentiates a moderate COVID patient from a severe COVID patient. And actually, it looks like there's some, some pathologic autoantibodies that are actually contributing to a worsened immune response. Of course, pathologic autoantibodies aren't doing anything to control the virus, but they're actually causing more, more harm than good. So, so I consider severe COVID to, yes, be a cytokine storm, whereas I consider moderate and mild COVID to not be a cytokine storm. Thank you so much for explaining that so beautifully and comprehensively. I think it's been on a lot of people's minds and you've added a lot of clarity. So thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Could you tell us about the, the story behind the story? And I think our viewers will be fascinated to hear how you got interested in cytokine storm syndrome and how this all came about. Sure. So yes, my, my interest in cytokine storms is, is very personal. I first learned about a cytokine storm when I was a third year medical student. When I became ill with a cytokine storm, I uh, was hoping to one day become an oncologist and I was well on my way in medical school at Penn when I became critically ill with a cytokine storm for an unknown cause. I was hospitalized with multi-organ failure, liver, kidney, bone marrow, heart, lung failure, um, was on dialysis, needed daily transfusions. Um, eventually, weeks later, learned that it was caused by idiopathic multicentric Castleman disease, which is a rare hyperinflammatory syndrome. Unfortunately, I went on to have multiple relapses. I nearly died a total of five times over a three and a half year period. And unfortunately, failed to respond to interleukin-6 blockade. So IL-6 blockade like tocilizumab was actually developed for Castleman disease years ago. And of course, now it's used in many other settings. IL-6 blockade didn't work for me. And so <laughs> When I relapsed on an IL-6 blocker, I decided to dedicate my life towards studying cytokine storms and identifying treatments that are already FDA approved that could maybe be repurposed to treat cytokine storm disorders. And so I actually identified a particular therapeutic target, the mTOR pathway, that mm -hmm. I thought if we directed a drug like serolimusat, that it could maybe save my life and started testing it on myself a little bit over seven years ago and, and have been doing uh, really well ever since. Absolutely incredible. And thank you so much for sharing that. And it really sounds like you have such a passion and an interest and, and are adding so much value to the field as well as for so many patients. Could you tell us about the book that you've written? Sure. Well, well, thank you so much for um, for those comments. Yes, it's very personal for me, as you can imagine, having the disease and also now being alive thanks to a drug um, that's based on research. You can imagine I'm very passionate about doing this work. So yeah, I, I wrote a book called Chasing My Cure, Doctors Race to Turn Hope into Action a little bit over a year ago to share this journey of what it was like to go from being a med student to having my last rites read and the search for a cure. And it's been so special to hear from readers like yourself and others who have checked out the book all over the world. It's translated into a number of other languages. It became a national bestseller here in the U.S. And it's just been so special to hear from readers about how it's inspired them to keep pushing if they're a patient, but also as a physician scientist to, to keep searching for answers and turning hope into action. I have to wholeheartedly agree. And I have a copy on my coffee table, was fortunate enough to get it for Christmas. And it is so moving and so emotive and, as you say, inspiring. And I think everyone should read it. So it's called Chasing My Cure. The review itself is so elegantly outlined and the book adds so much extra to the hardcore science that we have in the New England Journal Review. What is your vision, Professor Fagenbaum, of what you anticipate the field to look like and how we should move forward? 
So my vision for moving forward is to try to break down some of the silos and walls within cytokine storm disorder research. There's groups like mine that study Castleman disease and other groups study HLH and other study cytokine storm in CAR therapy and COVID. I think it's really important that we break down the walls. We start studying cytokine storm disorders as an umbrella, and then we identify drugs that work for various groups, whether it's a particular proteomic profile or biomarker. Who cares whether you call it IMCD or HLH if it responds to IL-6 blockade? That's the more important thing, or if it responds to IL-1 blockade or, or cyclosporine, whatever it may be. But I think we need to think about the cytokine storm disorders as an umbrella, find the right biomarkers to get the right drugs for the right patients. But what you'll notice as I'm saying this, I think it's it's understanding biology, and then I think it's identifying all of the tools that already exist. There are a number of drugs that, that have been demonstrated to be effective in various cytokine storm disorders. So we need to understand how do you mix and match disease to drugs in the most effective way. And, and I'm literally alive today because, because we did that. And so this is something I'm, I'm very passionate about. And, and as you mentioned at the beginning, I run a center called the Center for Cytokine Storm Treatment and Laboratory, where, where this is our, our goal. Do you have any words of advice for early career researchers or physicians trying to, to learn more about this area and trying to do more in terms of research? I think that this is a huge area of unmet medical need and, and a great place to get involved from a research perspective. No one, myself included, along with the, no one else, really has a great grasp for how do you connect a biological cytokine storm with the right therapy? How do we how do we make these connections? You know, we can do it on a one-off basis, but how can we do it more systematically? So I think there's a real opportunity for biologists to better understand what's happening in hyperinflammation and for clinicians to be a part of, of teaming together to figure out, well, what are my tools that could maybe um, stop the hyperinflammation? So I think there's a lot of opportunities, and I would just encourage anyone listening to follow your passion as you and I were talking before this. You don't need to have a cytokine storm to get involved as a cytokine storm researcher, but but you certainly need to be passionate about it, whether it's a patient you followed or, in my case, personally going through it. Um, I, I think following your passions is just so important. Gosh, absolutely. Such wise words of wisdom. Do you have any thoughts on what the challenges are in this area, given that we've just talked about the different definitions and the discussions about the term cytokine storm syndrome, which has been hugely emotive and caused some Twitter storms as well? There are so many different specialties who talk different languages, have different priorities in this area. What do you think of the challenges and how can we overcome them? I think step one is, is coming up with a framework for how to think about cytokine storms. I think step two is really refining that framework. So having many different disciplines coming together and saying, you know what, David, I, I like the definition that you and Carl came up with, but maybe we can actually improve it in this way or that way. And and my general response will be, let's generate the data. You know, unfortunately, we had to give a very vague definition because we just don't have the data to say that you need this cytokine to be at this level to have a cytokine storm because the data just don't exist. And so I think I think the first step is to get all of us together figure out where the biggest gaps are, and then start working together across fields. Um, because it's a really, really important area, obviously, with COVID. It's highlighted something that we've all known, and that's that there are patients suffering from cytokine storms in every hospital everywhere in the world right now that are not related to COVID. ARDS, Castleman's, HLH, more immunotherapies are leading to cytokine storms. So, so we've got work to do, and I hope this is the first step towards that. Absolutely. Hopefully we'll take the first steps together. Thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. And again, I'd strongly encourage all our viewers to read the paper in the New England Journal, as well as the book called Chasing My Cure. Thank you very much. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to Talking Rheumatology Research, brought to you by BSR. Please do rate, share and subscribe through your favourite podcast app.